caught. Is it inbounds? Yes! Touchdown, Titans! Johnu Smith tips it to himself. What a play! Fumbles. Ball is loose. There's a fight for it. Titan ball! Casey got it out! And Big Jeff at the bottom of the pile starts wrestling a raven, and he wins! Hey, what's going on, Joe? How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Going well over here. Welcome back, everybody, to Titans Beat. It is our first episode of the season. I'm excited to be here. I'm not excited about what we had to talk about, but I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's definitely good to be back. Everything is starting to get back to normal in life with the NFL season back in full swing. Yeah, absolutely. So we don't have Albert with us today, but he will be back um, on an episode here in a couple days. But Joe and I wanted to make sure that we got an episode to you just talking about our thoughts on our matchup from Sunday against the Cardinals and kind of what we could be looking for for the team to be improving on over the next couple of weeks. So, um, Joe, what are what are your first thoughts when now that we've cooled down, <laughs> we're not so angry anymore and we can look at this with level heads? Yeah, um, it, it's hard to really gauge a full thought on what to expect from this team moving forward just because of what you saw wasn't what this team at all is trying to be uh the offensive line is where this game was lost 100 percent uh from the first snap on offense you know the cardinals were in the backfield chandler jones had three sacks in the first quarter um and when you're behind the sticks like that and you're just getting beat off the line so badly going three and out, you're not able to put play action into your uh, into your scheme. You have to throw that out the window, and then your defense gets tired because they're on the field the entire game, which although the Cardinals did score on their first drive, the defense didn't look too bad outside of the, the big play to DeAndre Hopkins. It was a 30-yard pass to DeAndre Hopkins wide open. Uh, so it's really hard to say, oh, the Titans did really well at this, or they're going to be doing this moving forward just because I don't think you saw a true Titans team out on the field on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. And I obviously like everybody knows, especially if you listen to our podcast last season, you know how I feel about defense, especially when um, the defense is put in situations like they were on Sunday where, I mean, I know they were gassed. I just know they were. And you have guys like Bud who's still, I don't know if you listen to his interview after the game on Sunday, but you could tell he doesn't, he still doesn't feel a hundred percent. Um, so when you have guys like that, that you need to be out there making an impact and you're overworking them, um, he can't, he can't play to his full potential. Um, you can't have those guys out there for 80, 90 snaps, which I don't think that that's an exaggeration, but, um, the time of possession was pretty skewed. Um, I was going back and looking through the play by play and it's just crazy. Like the, the drive times. And, um, there were a few times that we held them three and out, um, which kind of remind me of that. Um, that defense that we had Daquan and Jarrell and those guys, um, it, it felt like the 2019 defense again almost. Um, but it's like we reverted back to almost a Marcus Mariota offense. So it's like, can we just get these two things together? I don't even want to talk about special teams, but can we just get these two things together at the same time <laughs> so we can make some headway? Because we've got the talent. That I, I mean, that goes without saying. But um, I think I think it was a great wake up call, and I hate that. Like, if you go on Titan Twitter, like there are people making fun of the people that say 
hey, we need a loss early in the season. I'd rather lose the first five games and then make a Super Bowl run rather than do what the Steelers did last year and go 11-0 and and then look like shit in the playoffs. That's just me personally. So um, I don't get I don't get too down on the team until we get to week six or week seven and we haven't made any progress. But it's week one. So Yeah, and it's really and this is this might sound silly to some, but week one this year is gonna be unlike any week one we've ever experienced before as far as implications down the road, because you have that additional regular season game that's been added to the schedule this year. I was looking on, I was watching uh, a sports talk show earlier and they were talking about teams that go one and O or two and O one and one and O and two, their percentages to make the playoffs. All that's thrown out the window now because you've thrown an outside, you know, factor that we've never had to look into before. So was that like a preseason game for us now? Okay. Now we're fine. Let's go and let's play a 16 game season. There's just so many unknowns, but what matters most is that we go out in this next game and we fix the offensive line and see what we can actually do because you don't go out and trade a second round pick for Julio Jones and only give him a couple passes a game. I mean, it just was not at all Titans football. Right. And also like, I don't know if you picked up on this at all, but uh, the chemistry between Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones is going to take some time. Um, Because the one thing that Julio had with Matt Ryan was chemistry. They had time. So uh, he knew where to be at all times with Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan knew where to put that ball. And it's going to take time for Ryan and Julio to build that um, because he had, what, 10 years in Atlanta? So we obviously don't have 10 years, but – Week one was not gonna be was not gonna be the Julio Jones show. I think everybody saw that when we saw um, the connections with AJ, and, um, and that just speaks to his chemistry with his quarterback. And hopefully Julio can build that quickly, um, which I think he can. But a lot of people had very high expectations for certain individuals in week one. And not saying that's impossible, but there are little nuances in this game that you've got to build over time. And that's just one of them. But that I will say I was I was yelling some wild obscenities at my TV when Julio dropped that touchdown pass. I was like, oh my God. I cannot. I can't do it. About for, uh, he was double covered and it was a terrible pass. Yeah. But it hit him in the hands. So yeah. I feel like if it well, hit you the numbers of the hands and you're you that yeah, and he—he's Hulu Jones, right? That's what he does. That's what he does. As, so, as far as chemistry goes, though, the kind of unsung hero that not many too, not too many people are talking about from Week One was our number one wide receiver wasn't AJ Brown. It was Chester right. Rogers who led the team in receptions right. and yards. And if it wasn't for a bad pass by Tannehill on the trick play on the flea flicker, he had a touchdown. He had a walk-in touchdown, but the ball is underthrown. So really. He was the MVP on offense, and it's yeah. going to be really interesting to see how that shapes out moving forward because I know Reynolds has a little bit of a, an, an injury right now, so this is Rodgers kind of maybe forcing Reynolds out of the top three and taking over his spot, so that's going to be a fun competition moving forward as well. Yeah, I agree, and I think um, it's always it's always good to have that competition in a position group because all it's going to do is, I mean, iron sharpens iron, so um, all it's going to do is make those guys better and I think Chester Rogers, he was like, all right, Nashville, y'all are going to know my name today. And I love that energy because it is very much our culture. So, um, but 
And the other thing I wanted to bring up was, and I, I think I said this on Twitter during the game, I was mad when this happened. I wasn't mad that this happened. I was just mad in the moment. So I'm over here yelling at my TV. We were down. I don't even remember what the score was, but it was bad. Like Everything was just bad. Uh, it was doom and gloom. It felt like I was back in, I don't even know what era that felt like, but it was not good. <laughs> and I look up and AJ Brown is making a tackle on defense. And I was like, what the fuck? So AJ Brown had, he had two tackles that game. He had as many tackles as like, Several of our linebackers, which I thought was so funny, but it was because Tannehill threw an interception. He went and made a tackle for that, and then they threw him out there for hands on um, what probably would have just been a Hail Mary, and um, he went and made the tackle on that too. So I was like, all right, AJ, why don't we just throw you in the secondary too because whatever, I give up. <laughs> Speaking of the defensive side of the ball, your, your boy Jeffrey Simmons really, really balled out. You could tell Pink. he was really the – the energy on the defense from the start to finish, he was out there pumped and ready to go. And he got paid off. He sacked uh, Kyler Murray. What was that in the third quarter? Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. I definitely, I, I think what this game shows, if anything, is that football can be won or lost in the trenches. And I've been saying that forever. Like anybody that is big, like maybe they played on the line or they coached the line or whatever. Um, or just, you know, their favorite player plays on the line. You just have a soft spot for it. And Chandler Jones proved that you can make or break a game in the trenches. And he embarrassed our guy, Taylor Lewan, on his first day back. Um, Jeffrey Simmons is somebody that you guys have got to watch out for. I've been, y'all know this, I've been a fan of him since he was at Mississippi State. This beyond excited when we drafted him. I will say this, he followed me on Twitter last week, and I am freaking out about it, but it's fine. <laughs> um, but he's going to be somebody that's going to be all pro. He's somebody that's going to be in the Pro Bowl. Like He is somebody that we're going to be talking about in Tennessee for a long, long time. So I actually, I was sitting and watching like old, old games just on YouTube the other day because I was in my feelings. And I think... The reason I liked him so much out of college was because he reminded me of both Javon Curse and Albert Hainsworth, which we'll talk to Albert about this at some point in the season, I'm sure. But if you take the size and the the style of play from Albert and then pair it with like Javon's aggression, that's Jeffrey Simmons. Would you agree with that? No, I think that's a, a perfect comparison. So I think... That's probably why I love him so much because I loved Albert growing up. I loved Devon growing up. Like those two are the reason that I got into football the way I did. And then to see somebody that's basically like the the child of these two <laughs> and their playing styles, it's it's really fun to watch. And it's you know, of course, got great to have him in Tennessee. So I'm glad that he was voted to be captain along with KB and you know our guy Brett Kern. He's the truth. Uh, <laughs> I was glad to see, you know, which players got voted up to be captains. And I think that always speaks volumes, especially when you're a guy as young as Jeff. He's, what, 24, 25, already being voted to be a captain by his teammates. It's impressive. Yeah, it is. And the defense gave the Titans probably, in a twisted world, the most exciting play of the game at the start of the second half where we go and start the third quarter down, I think it was 24-6. And then Kevin Byard gets the interception off Kyler Murray on third down, which matched his, I believe, his total of interceptions from last year. 
and the Titans go down and score to make it, what was it, at 13 to 24? Because we only kicked the extra point. Yeah. Um, but from that point forward, it just, the Kyler Murray show just absolutely decimated our secondary. Mullen got burnt a couple times by uh, Christian Kirk as far as speed goes. I don't know if it was the play calling, they were gassed, but it there was just a point where the Cardinals just stopped looking back and did not give us a chance to get back in the game. Yeah, which is exactly what they should have done. Um, they did an excellent job executing on their game plan. Um, I actually, I'm not even going to lie, and a lot of people were, and in, in I hosted Twitter space after the game, and I will probably continue to do that. So if you're listening and you want to come chat with us, come talk. But um, Chris Velli, I don't know if you know who he is, but he was like, I won't even call him Jackrabbit right now. I don't know who Jackrabbit is. That man is Janoris. <laughs> Until he gets it together. But I can't even hate on him for that touchdown that D-Hop scored over him. Because it's like, you're really going up against one of those guys that is the best of the best. And he's tall and long and all of that. So that touchdown at the very beginning was not, in my opinion, was not uh, Jack Roberts' fault necessarily. Could he have made a play? Yeah, but it probably would have been P.I. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest, like for the first half, I didn't have a problem with a lot of the stuff we were doing on defense. I do think that they've got to figure out the scheme in the back. I think we've kind of figured out the front seven to an extent, but now the secondary has got to get it in check. So I'll be excited to see how Caleb Farley looks. Um, But the fact they don't have him out there also makes me nervous. Like how is he looking in practice if they don't have him out there? Um, But I don't know, like the second half, you almost can't even talk about the defense at that point because they were just gassed. Um, I think I'm gonna look at time of possession really quick. But what what did you think about when you saw DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt out there taunting the camera and stuff? How did you feel? Because I threw my phone. I, I can't even like I threw my phone across the room when JJ Watt got in the camera. Um, I I think this was their one last jab at the Titans. I expected both of them to have a huge game, and DeAndre Hopkins burnt just like he always has. They've never right. liked it. There have been rivals. J.J. Watt always hated the Titans, and you know they want that Oilers history from when they were in Houston, and they just they've never liked us. So for it to be the first game of the season, them coming in fresh and juiced up to start the season, it doesn't surprise me. It pisses me off, but that should be the last time we have to see them for a long time. Hopefully that rain and terror is over, just like Andrew Luck. Once he was gone, we had something we didn't have to worry about anymore. Hopefully we don't have to ever worry about playing DeAndre Hopkins or J.J. Watt again. Right. Which, I'm as a competitor, I hate that. Because I want to beat them at what they do best. But it sucks because we had an opportunity to, and we just couldn't. So... I don't know. I think I almost wish this game was like week five or week six where everybody had had, you know, first of all, gotten their legs under them. But maybe those guys were a little bit older. They're beat up a little bit more. And then we really could have. I don't know. I'm I'm salty. But the, it's just the principle for me, because I as somebody that loves pass rush. I have respect for J.J. Watt, but I hate that. dude. <laughs> So when he started talking, that's when I threw my phone, so I can't handle it. But I just went and looked up uh, time of possession, and the Cardinals had the ball for 33 minutes, and we had it for 26, roughly, Um, which that doesn't sound like a huge difference. But when you go back and look at the play-by-play and the um, length of the drives and everything, it was like 
our defense would be out there for seven minutes and then our offense would go three and out and then our defense is back out there for another five minutes. And it's just those stretches. So um, it was a lot. And I hope they get that in check. And that has to start at the O-line because Derek couldn't get going. One time he did get going. Freaking Julio Jones was throwing hands. I was just like, what? what is happening? Like, what is going on? That that those penalties should have offset. That was a failure I agree. by the refs. I I don't care. That man hates it. us though. If somebody throws a punch, you cannot just not throw that flag because the other guy started it. That pissed me right. off. I thought he was going to be ejected, and they didn't even call anything on the Cardinals. And again, watching that live, I didn't see it on TV, so I don't know what happened before. All I know is I saw a punch thrown. I thought for sure, okay, we're either. We're either getting 15 yards or the penalties are going to offset, and we were the only ones that got a penalty. I was pissed. It was stupid yeah. by Julio as a veteran, but that pissed right. me off. Right. So what happened, just from what I could see on TV, was I can't remember who the guy was, but he had Julio's um, his, his collar, and he didn't let go, and the play was over. Like they were trying to go back to the line of scrimmage and start, you know, the next play. So when he didn't let go, and I don't know if Julio was wearing his chain or what, because you know respect and all that. So that if he had a grip on that would have pissed me off too. So I feel that. Um, so Julio went and pushed him and then Odu pushed him back and then Julio went and pushed him harder. And that's when they threw the flag. So it was petty. It was petty, but as a veteran, you got to do better. And as an officiating crew, if there's punches thrown, you know, that's, that's by rule, unless something's changed, that's an automatic ejection. If you, if you throw a punch and it wasn't right. a light, and, oh, he swung. So right. I, I and also just, just like go back and watch it. Like y'all have access to replay. Just go back. If you don't know what happened, just go back and watch it. It's not that hard, in my opinion. Back in the first place. That too. But that officiating crew, is, is that Jerome? I can't remember his last name, but yeah. he hates us. So he, he's been hating us. So I wasn't surprised at all. Not at all. But, you know, like you said, towards the end of the game, you know, I was very surprised the Cardinals kept in their starters throughout the entire game. But it was Me good too. to find Derrick Henry still. He has that Henry effect going into the third and fourth quarter. He started ripping off some five, ten-yard runs that, you know, he was starting to beat down on the defense until, I believe, Tannehill fumbled again and uh, killed that drive. But yeah. when you were out of possession, that six-minute difference, you know, in six minutes the Cardinals can find a way to score on you twice. So if you're saying that in an extra six minutes that our offense is going to have to find a way to score twice, that's a completely different ball game. So it's definitely right. not an amount of time at all. Yeah, absolutely. I just I always like to use that for context because people that don't think that way, they're going to be like, Anna, it's just six minutes. But six minutes in football is a long time, um, especially when you have an explosive offense like Arizona that can find a way to score a lot of points in less. So um, and what was the other – I'm glad you said that about Derek um, because – that was the one thing on the offensive side of the ball that was like my good takeaway was like, okay, Derek still he still got it. I had no doubt in my mind that he would, but just the fact that second half Derek Henry looked the way I expected second half Derek Henry to look, I was like, thank God. I needed some kind of hope. So <laughs> that's what it was. Um, and then I, I'll put it here on record. I don't think that game at all was Ryan Tannehill's fault. I think Ryan Tannehill was put in a horrible situation multiple times and he did the absolute best with what he could i i will stand by that i was disappointed in some of the decisions he made specifically the first drive he missed aj wide open and threw into double coverage 
and AJ probably would have gone for another 30 yards because there was nobody there to get him on the sideline. So missing that read pissed me off because I was like, you've done that connection happens all the time. So I don't understand why it didn't happen then, but I think he was getting so much pressure that does something to you mentally. So the Cardinals did a great job of, um, of rushing Tannehill and making him make bad decisions because that's honestly like if you watch, okay. So if you're a football fan period and you look at defense, defense isn't always about creating turnovers. Defense is about getting into somebody's head. So the reason it's a pass rush, that's what it's called, is because if you make a QB rush their decision and make a bad decision, you have done your job, even if you didn't touch him. So it, it's a it's a mental game as well. Um, so even that early, I think they had already gotten in Ryan's head, and I felt bad for him because he was on his ass a lot. The only thing I can say that I'll, I'll really fault Tannehill for is the fumbles. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, the first one in the game, okay, you don't know that your offensive line is going to play like dog shit. You're not expecting it. Got it. Right. You know that from the snap, you're going to have somebody in the backfield all game long because by the time you got to the second quarter, you knew that, okay, this is the game it's going to yeah. be. We got to find a way to beat this. You got to be holding on to that ball. You got to be more aware. And maybe once the score is out of hand, he was just playing loose to try to find a way to make something happen instead of just taking a sack. Right. So, I mean, there's no talent. I wasn't impressed by how he played. And again, I thought that that Chester Rogers pass was a terrible pass that there wasn't a whole bunch it of pressure. So I'm not going to sing praises for him. I'm not going to tell him it wasn't his fault. I'm not going to say it was his fault. I just don't know. There wasn't enough yeah. good to see who did well and who didn't on the offensive side of the ball. Sure. And don't take that as me complimenting him. I just think that the guy was put in a terrible position, but I agree on the fumbles. Like, that was actually one of the things I yelled at my TV. <laughs> Hold on to the fucking ball. Like he's old enough. He's he's enough of a veteran as well to know, like you said, by the second quarter, you know what kind of game this is gonna be. Hang on to the ball. Take the sack. Or rather you have the sack all day long, then give up a touchdown. Let us punt the ball. Let our punter do what he does best <laughs> and put them in a terrible field position rather than them getting the ball on the five or the ten or something like that. So it was very frustrating um overall, but Again, I, I, I love personally when my team gets smacked in the mouth first week because now they're mad. Now they're mad. They're embarrassed, truthfully. Um, they, you know, they, they've got to try to forget what happened, but you don't. So they know, especially our defense, like they know, okay, we've gotten through one mobile quarterback. Now we're going to Seattle to play another one. Um, what adjustments do we need to make to try to contain Russell Wilson. And then I honestly, I think our offense will look better because I'm not as scared of um, Seattle's defense as I am Arizona's. So um, I think overall it'll be better. I thought it was hilarious what Mike Frabel said this week about uh, when they asked him about kickers and he was like, I just hope whoever goes out there does their job. <laughs> that was hilarious. It was a classic Mike Frabel moment. Um, but I don't know. I feel, I feel okay about Sunday. You're going, aren't you? I am. It's going to be a fun trip, a fun gauntlet. Oh my two gosh. Days. <laughs> You're going to be but, so tired. I am. I'm going to be tired. Leaving at seven o'clock in the morning. So that means I got to be up. My flight leaves at seven. I'm not leaving at seven. So that means I got to be up Holy probably cow. 30. 
my flight lands in Seattle around 10 o'clock their time. So that gives me a couple hours for the game starts. And then my flight back to Nashville leaves at nine o'clock Sunday evening. I have like a four hour layover in New York. And then my flight finally lands back in Nashville, 10 a.m. on Monday. So I'm going to be up for a span of almost 30 hours straight before I get home to go to sleep. So it's going to be fun. But it's worth uh, it. So Vinny, I hope it's uh, worth it. Right. If the Titans are listening to this, y'all, if you win for anybody, <laughs> win for Joe Lemmy. Because <laughs> he, he is dedicated. But while we're talking about kickers, I, yeah, that's actually a good segue into – I was going to ask you a question. Yeah. Probably another – Mike Vrabel has this these couple times a year where I think he just coaches like an absolute coward. So it's funny. Uh-huh. Before – I think it was Saturday, I was watching the on NFL Network. There was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers risk it for the biscuit Super Bowl run video is what Andrew Reid called it. And then we had fourth and one – when we're still trying to claw our way back into this game and we send out Badgley to kick like a 53 yarder instead of going for it. Yeah. The, I, th- I thought that was such a weak decision when the game was already starting to get out of hand, you know that you need a touchdown. A field goal doesn't make that game any more respectable at that point. Mm-hmm. And to kick it, that was terrible. And you gave him better field position if you didn't, if you didn't even get the first down because you know, you're snapping the, the, the kick, what eight yards back. So that, yep. I thought that was, that was a, cowardly move by Vrabel again he anytime he faces yeah. it, it seems like he goes with what he thinks is the safe call versus the, the right call to win right I think he psyched himself out in those moments because you're absolutely right like that was my first thought was okay it's a 53 yard field goal if we miss this they're already in our territory if we don't convert fourth and one they're right around the 50 like you know what I mean? Like because of that snap being seven, eight yards long. So no, I, I didn't like that call at all. And then I also didn't like that. So you have that call fourth and one where you have Derrick Henry who literally gains two yards when he falls forward. And then you have um, like the other play. It was, it was fourth and 10 and we went for it. And I was just, I don't understand his train of thought sometimes. I think maybe, I don't know if he tries to psych other people out or get it to where you don't know what he's going to do or whatever, but I think there comes a time where you just have to go, hey, coach, let's let's go for it. Because at that moment, I think if we would have converted it, I, I don't know what the atmosphere was like at Nissan, but I'm sure it would have been ridiculous had they converted that. And then you got your momentum, then you got the guy's juice, then you go score a touchdown, and then it's a different football game. So... Mm-hmm. He's got. I think Mike Rabel needs to realize that he can be fired too. Well, you know what I, mean? I don't want to. I don't want to get too much into to next week's or this week's game, excuse me, because I know we're going to get to talk with Albert about that soon. But if they go out and they do the same thing again this week that they did last week, not a single person in this organization is safe. That goes from GM to coaching. Yeah. Uh, if Taylor Lewan has another shitty week, cut him. If he gets beat for five sacks again, cut him. Like, you've went all in. You've went all in on this team to win a Super Bowl right now. You've spent a shitload of money. You've blown draft picks because right now it doesn't seem like, and again, it's early season. I'm not going to write anybody off. But right now you've got your first-round draft pick that you're only playing on special teams. You've got your second round. When we take uh, ratings, is this the third round? Sorry. You have your... Mm-hmm. Your tackle that you drafted that's not even second on the death chart. 
You've got your wide receiver that you traded up to pick on your practice squad. This is two back-to-back years where it looks like John Robinson has not had a good draft. And if that results into the year that you're going to win for a Super Bowl to play like shit all year, nobody's safe. I don't care who you are. You brought in Julio Jones, great. What you got to show for it? I agree. And I think there does – again, I don't think it's right now in this moment because we don't want to overreact to week one. But I think if you see a continued pattern from Julio, from different play, uh, from Taylor Lewan, like you said, like from different players that are supposed to be doing something, from Janoris Jenkins, like we brought these guys in to make a difference. Y'all are here. You say you love the culture. You say you love the city. You love the locker room, all that shit. Make us love you, <laughs> please. Because there was one thing about Titans fans. We, we are loyal as hell. Until you give us a reason to not be. And um, I don't know. Like, I think everybody was really excited about all these guys we brought in, especially Julio. Um, me personally, I was very excited about Bud. So I'm I'm giving him a few weeks before I really cast judgment on him. But um I don't know. You're right. There's a lot of people that they're they've got an eye on him at all times. So it'll be interesting. But no, I think I think going into next week they will they'll shape up. I have faith that some of these guys will shape up and hopefully Mike Rabel won't be such a coward with some of those calls because that fourth and one, I I feel like there's whenever there's a game where either we get blown out, usually games where we get blown out, you can find that turning point where it's like, okay, the momentum changed because we changed our attitude and our approach to the game. For me, that was that moment. And uh, I think a good way to put it with just overall, just the history of how Mike Rabel coaches, he doesn't coach to win. He coaches not to lose. Yeah, and that that does not work in the NFL. The the coaches yeah. that when they got a lead with two minutes left to go in the game and it's fourth and short, those coaches go for it so they can go ahead and knee out the ball in the next play instead of punting it and trying to hope that your defense doesn't crumble. Right. Rabel doesn't do that. He says, "Okay, let's punt and let's hope our defense does their job, or let's go ahead and try to get this field goal and let's just try to get back in the game, get a little bit of momentum going." No. You've got to go for the jugular. These are world-class guys that you're going up against every week. And when they've already got you by the neck, you can't just play conservative. You've got to go and fight back. And that was weak. Right. Yep, and I, wasn't, I agree. I wasn't meaning to throw a jab at Lawan saying cut him next week. I'm just saying if you have your, your star left tackle or anybody, nobody's safe. So that's not just a jab at Lawan. I love Lawan. Been a fan since day one. But still, what did he do? <laughs> he got yep. chucked by a fucking – 100 pound lighter corner. Okay. So I, if that happens again, that's not your starting left tackle anymore. Yeah. I agree. No, I fully agree with that. So, I mean, we, I just, uh, this is a conversation for another day, but I just sit here and look and go, okay, what would have been different if we would have don't hate me? And if you're still listening to this podcast, y'all don't come for me on Twitter. But what would have happened if, Two years ago, we didn't re-sign Ryan Tannehill, and we did go get Tom Brady. What would have happened? We would have spent a hell of a lot more money on our offensive line in the right places. Tom Brady would have died last week. No, because Tom Brady would have demanded to have a better O-line. Tom Brady because when Because when you have the GOAT, you make a way. That's what Tampa Bay did, so... I don't know. I just, that is always in the back of my head of like, what if? And I, I know you can't think in what ifs, but honestly, especially on Sunday, I was like, man, 
this would have this would have been a different looking offense, not because Tom Brady would have been our quarterback, but because the pieces around him would have been more solid. And he holds his team to a really high standard. Not saying that Ryan Tannehill doesn't, but it's just a different energy. So in the back of my head, I, I always think I'm like, what if we would have had a good old good old TB12? I don't know. It's a different different team, but and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the, this rabbit hole because there's so much I can go on. <laughs> But a, a lot of Tampa Bay's success isn't because of Tom Brady. Granted, their, you know he right. won them through. It, it's how they drafted, because some of right. their star guys that they've got going right now are either still on their rookie contract or coming off their rookie contract, and nope. we've we've essentially bought our team. So we yeah. don't, unfortunately, we don't have the luxury to go out and just pay all these guys to make our team better. Because if we do that right now, it's coming at the sacrifice of another position. So, right. like, for example, we got rid of Kenny Vaccaro because we thought Amani Hooker was going to step up and be his replacement, which he could have been, but now he's hurt. So now you've cut right. money from somebody else that was producing and put it somewhere else, and now you've got a hole in your roster. Whereas, right. because Tampa Bay was smart with how they drafted and they drafted well, they have the luxury to have cap space and good players. So yep. it, it's, it's, it's tough to say what would have happened if you had Tom Brady here. No, uh, I agree. I just – there are teams like New Orleans that make me think that cap space doesn't exist. So, um it's it's not a thing. The cap right. the cap is not real. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I think that it's just something I always put out there to piss people off because it's like it, it makes me mad. I'm like, damn, like we really did have an opportunity to go get somebody that had connections, um, had old teammates and stuff in our organization and then, you know, whatever. But no, I think Tampa Bay is just a really strong organization. And if I had to cheer for another team, it's probably Tampa Bay. I like them a lot. And I like them before he went there. I know. But they have a very diverse coaching staff. They have, a, what, three women on their coaching staff? How can I not cheer for them? Okay, fair. They're out here doing the doing the damn thing. But, y'all, I think that is all we can really say about the Arizona game. We are going to put out another episode where we're going to have Albert come on. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Seattle and what we've got going on there and get his thoughts his brief thoughts on Sunday's game um, and then just looking forward and uh, seeing what the rest of the season looks like. So Joe, you want to let them know where to find us on social media? Yeah. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter, SIA Titans beat. Hit us up. Any uh, feedback you got for us, any questions you want to ask to Albert or the rest of us on this next episode, talking about the upcoming game against Seattle, go ahead and shoot us a a reply on our link and we'll be more than glad to engage and get to know all you guys. But for now, tighten up. Yep. Tighten up. Daniel throws the fade left side ball up and caught. Is it inbounds? Yes! Touchdown, Titans! Johnu Smith tips it to himself. What? A play! Fumbles, ball is loose, there's a fight for it. Titan ball! Casey got it out! And Big Jeff, at the bottom of the pile, starts wrestling a raven, and he wins!